Do, 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 do. Welcome to Cop Monologuing. I'm Ryan Kunzer. I'll be your MC for tonight. In the blue corner, we have Errol Koenig. The, the blue corner? Yeah. Uh, are we in a, a strip bar or something like that? It just makes me uncomfortable. I mean, what color corner would you like? I mean, if we're gonna do it, it'll be purple and pink strobes flashing on and off. But, like, it's not... I feel like this is not, it's not classy enough for this type of... In the know. seizure-inducing corner, it's Errol Koenig. <laughs> <laughs> and in the uh, slightly more tame cone corner, we have a new guest star, Esther Rodriguez. Yay! Woo. That's our studio audience, me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, some news, and then we're going to... Uh, do a deep dive into uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, because I haven't seen the movies before, uh, and my friends were mad at me for not doing that. So very, very mad. Yes. yes. So we're gonna talk about it. Actually, have seen the first one before, and that's the one we're gonna talk about, but only once, and it was a while ago, so I forget everything. Um, but first, the news. We have some big, big news, uh, mostly from Marvel. Uh, uh, I think bit, all from Marvel, at yeah. least the ones that I found. I mean, to be fair, he's a little biased. Yeah, but what else is there, really? <laughs> okay, uh, first things first, um, Marvel had a huge announcement on Twitter. They uh, set it up for, um, they said, uh, on Twitter they had a post that said, uh, tomorrow at 10 o'clock, something's going to happen. Yeah, save uh, the date. Yeah, so I I was terrified uh, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really know what was gonna happen. Uh, I was hoping it was movie news. Um, maybe they were announcing, I don't know, a new cast member, a new director. Maybe it was something. Yeah. Maybe a first trailer for the Inhumans TV series. God knows what. Yeah. Um, but Instead. it turned. Yeah, but it turned out it was a Marvel video game. They are uh, working with Square Enix, uh, who's mostly known for Final Fantasy uh, and a bunch of other Japanese role-playing games. But they're also working with Crystal Dynamics, which did Rise of the Tomb Raider, uh, and Eidos Montreal, which is Deus S Mankind Divided. Um, so that's apparently uh, some big news. Um, all right, this is big, some big news, and I'm really excited to play. Neither of us are huge gamers, unless it has to do... Uh, with Pokemon, but that's that's besides <laughs> or, the point. Or Yu-Gi-Oh. Or Yu-Gi-Oh, that's, that's true. However, there has not been a good Yu-Gi-Oh video game in a while. I mean, there is a, <laughs> a new one. There's a new one for the iPhone, which I may or may not have been addicted to. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. Uh, but, you know, the one on the uh, the one on my Game Boy, I think uh, the Sacred Cards or something like that, that's what's up. So... Anyway, we're talking about Marvel news. You are right? talking about Marvel news. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, but that game should be fun. I'm excited to play it. I'm excited to get it. Yeah. It's um, uh, an Avengers game first, right? The Avengers game first, but it was a whole partnership, so they're going to do a whole bunch of other movies. Yep. Um, pretty much every character but Spider-Man, I'm assuming. Probably. Because I mean, Sony has their own Spider-Man video game coming out soon, which, by the way, looks dope. <laughs> to put it classily I mean I don't use the word dope often but when I do it's in reference to Spider-Man uh, Spider-Man's video game yeah. okay uh, so next up uh, Cloak and Dagger uh, um, a Freeform's new Marvel show uh, which is coming out in uh, either later this year in the fall or uh, in early 2018 has started uh, coming out with some news so uh for Cloak and Dagger, uh, they officially announced the director of the pilot. Uh, and this is some pretty big news because they actually got someone who has some cachet uh, for her name. They got Gina Prince by the wood. I think that's how you pronounce the by the wood part, but it's... Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But, you know, happens. Okay. Uh, but uh, she's re- a really great director as this, because one, as a uh, female and as an African-American, I think it's great that definitely she gets... An opportunity to do such a uh, to do such a big show, so that's great. Um, but also, she has um, a bunch of uh, hits in in her past. Uh, she's done Love and Basketball and Beyond the Lights, which was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Song last year. So she is 
a legit person that is directing one of these shows. So that's exciting. Um, also, potential casting. Um, it is rumored that we have our two stars of the show. Uh, one is Noah Gray Cabby, uh, who was known when he was a kid from My Wife and Kids. He was one of those kids on that show. <laughs> uh, and also from Heroes and Heroes Reborn. Um, have you guys seen him before? Watch his stuff? Yeah, I've seen him in Heroes. Okay. Uh, can you talk about his performance in Heroes? Do you think that'll work well as you think he'll be a good uh, cloak? He's a very talented kid, so I'm looking forward to see what he does in the future. All right, that's cool. Um, so then also, the person playing Dagger, rumored to be playing Dagger, yeah. uh, is Debbie Ryan. Yeah. Uh, From such well-known places as Sweet Life on Deck. Yes. As well as uh, Jesse yes. and 16 Wishes. 16 Wishes, yes. <laughs> All Disney Channel classics. Uh, Sweet Life on Deck, the spinoff of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Uh, top-notch uh, programming. Um as well as Jesse, which was a little bit past my time, but one of my little sister's favorite shows, and also one of my little sister's favorite movies, 16 Wishes, the Disney Channel original. So we'll see if she can translate into a now more adult, uh, you know, focused uh, programming, but I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it should be fun to watch. Um, so, now, yeah. Is this a Marvel, or not a Marvel, a Netflix This is show? not Netflix. This is on Freeform. Freeform uh, used to be called ABC Family. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, they 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 switched over because their programming was less family friendly, and they wanted to make it a little bit more teenager focused. And I think they've done that. I think right now they currently have the largest social media involvement with their fans. Wow. Okay. So they they, they know how to do what they do best. So awesome. It's on freeform. Uh, okay. So next up, we are now moving to the Netflix. Uh, to show. Netflix. Um, some news has come out um, for Iron Fist. Uh, one, uh, it's uh, it, it has come out that the classic costume will be on the TV show. Uh, so that's going to be cool. I don't know when it's going to happen. It might be kind of like Daredevil where it happens at the very end of the yeah. of the first season. Or it could just be that's what he runs around wearing. So we'll find out. That'll be cool. Yep. But he will look uh, quite interesting, as all superheroes do. Yes. <laughs> I'm really excited to see that chest tattoo. Um, oh, definitely. Because, <laughs> I mean, the character is incomplete without it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and also for Iron Fist, it came out RZA is directing one of the episodes. Um, you may have heard RZA from for, uh, for being the writer, director, and star of The Man with the Iron Fists. Um, also, maybe more more well-known uh, for his role in the Wu-Tang Clan, um, <laughs> one of the most prolific rap groups of all time. Um, so I'm excited. uh I mean, I haven't I haven't seen the Man with the Iron Fists, but just from what I've heard and what I've seen, the action is there's a lot of it, and it's done well yeah. to some extent. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he does. Hopefully, he makes a cameo. That'd make me happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he seems like the kind of guy you want directing Iron Fist. Yeah. So he, I I, I am excited to see how, how he. What what he does with the character, um, and really what everyone does with the character when we see Iron Fist come to Netflix, yep. Uh, this March, stay tuned. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and then lastly, uh, for Marvel news, um, Black Panther, a whole bunch of plot details were released. I haven't read any of these, nor have I. So we will not talk about them. However, there is one thing that I did hear: Ulysses mm-hmm. Claw will be back. Woo. Uh, which is very exciting, um, but he's portrayed by Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is known for playing Gollum in Lord of the Rings. So how about we switch over to Lord of the Rings? <laughs> A-plus segue there, Errol. Yes, I did not have that planned. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I did, I'm sorry. All right, so before we get started, I wanted to just quickly go between the two of you and talk about your relationship with lord of the rings because i think you both come to some very different perspectives yeah Uh, so esther you can go first so i got into the lord of the rings fandom when i was like seven or eight 
mm-hmm. because I am a gigantic nerd and my parents used to read The Hobbit to me when I was like a really little kid since my brother was older and he actually understood what was going on. So by the time I was nine, my mom had bought me like a complete set of The Lord of the Rings books and like a copy of the Simulatron, which I think I'm pronouncing very terribly. <laughs> but I grew up like listening to all of The Lord of the Rings lore and like where the characters came from and like the different mythos. So I know a lot. And How I'm many times would you say you've read this book? Um, only about four, because I haven't had a chance since coming to college. Well said. And Errol? What is a book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I mean, gr- growing up, uh, at least from my parents, a little bit different than Esther. I mean, my parents were nerds, but I got most of my stuff from my dad, who was much more of a sports nerd. Uh, which is where my love of sports has uh, has come from. Um, but it wasn't really... Uh, but then I kind of had to make my own nerd... Like, find my own nerdiness yeah. by myself, you know, at home. Uh, and that's fine, because I was able to find Marvel, and I was able to, <laughs> you know, uh, capture all my own nerdiness. However, that was also after all of the Lord of the Rings movies come out. I never read the books. I didn't have any connection to it. The movies that had already come out, my dad didn't say, oh, you have to watch this. This is one of the greatest films ever. He was like, okay, whatever. It's Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it you know, it wasn't until, uh, I think about two summers ago, when I watched uh, this film for the first time uh, on my phone uh, <laughs> while I was traveling in multiple segments. And it was not the, the treatment it deserved. Um, I don't remember it that well. I remember liking it. Um, but then I watched it again today, uh, last night, and so we could talk about it. Um, right. And yeah, that's that's my relationship to Lord of the Rings, or lack thereof. All right, so we'll get started. The movie starts with this sort of prologue backstory of uh, the Ring and Sauron, and you know the story of how it came to be where it is. Yes. So did that, you know. Did that kind of make sense? It was a lot of characters and a lot of fighting all at once. Yeah. I would say mm, it made enough sense. Uh-huh. And I think just coming from my point of view as someone who isn't as invested or isn't as knowledgeable at all the, of all the characters, of all the lore and all of the stuff, I got enough of it so I was able to follow the movie and not feel lost. Yeah. Um, also, it helps that I was watching it with two people that have seen this movie, I want to say, at least eight times each. <laughs> um, so, if there ever was a moment that I could have been confused, they decided to explain it before I could even ask. So, um, thanks for that, guys. Um, but You're welcome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's – it made sense for me. I mean, enough for me to be able to follow it. Um, I never felt lost. Well, when, when watching the movie and I think sometimes feeling a little bit lost doesn't always hurt because all these characters also don't really know all the stuff that's going on you kind of yeah get put in their shoes a little bit if you don't have all the have all the, the details and clues so yeah so once we get past you know the prologue we find out uh, you know the ring is with Bilbo in the Shire, and we get that wonderful opening shot of the Shire and uh, Gandalf riding in on a cart and mm-hmm. meeting his friends uh, Bilbo and Frodo. So I wanted to ask, you know, it's filmed in New Zealand. It's definitely a, a very beautiful place. Yeah. I had something I was going to ask. Okay, I can ask something. Okay. Um... <laughs> So, wait, no, never mind. This question's more for me. Um, well, I'll, I'll make a point and I'll let you guys respond to it. Uh-huh. At the beginning of this movie, um, I know Gandalf, not as Gandalf, uh, but more as Magneto. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. So I, I feel like like here and also a bunch of other points in the movie there's lots of really well-known actors that I have stronger connections to in other roles that took me a little bit out of the movie like Sean Bean I know him as Ned Stark uh instead of uh Bromir 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 yeah 
Uh, I'm sorry to Boromir and his family for pronouncing that <laughs> wrong. Um, but yeah, uh, so there's that. Um, who else? Uh, I know. Uh, I know Sean Astin uh, more as uh, Raphael, the Ninja Turtle in the animated series <laughs> on Nickelodeon, which is excellent. But you know, it, it's just for me because there's so many well-known actors. Uh, in these roles, it kind of took me out of the yeah. out of the movie a little bit. Uh, is it different from you guys because you were introduced it at a younger age when you weren't so in- involved? Uh, yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, these movies kind of came out, I think, when we were both like just starting to get into movies. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for, I think, a lot of people, this was kind of our introduction to most of these actors. You know, this mm-hmm. is... Also, I mean, it was a huge trilogy. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these actors got a boost because of their roles in it as well. Personally, I didn't even know who Orlando Bloom was until, like, six years after I watched the first movie. (laughs) So that just puts that into perspective. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, I was watching that movie, and it's like, oh, look, uh, there are two Marvel supervillains in the Red Skull and Magneto, uh, on the good side, trying to save the world? That doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah. Either way. They're uh, very talented actors, unfortunately, so they can do many different roles and confuse us. Yes, they yeah. can. <laughs> All right. Well, we enter the Shire. We get to see, uh, you know, Gandalf um, meet up with his friends. He has a uh, charming entrance with Frodo. In his uh, famous line, For, a wizard is never late. He arrives exactly when he means to. Oh, yeah, that line. Yeah. That's, that's super famous among people who are obsessed with Lord of the Rings. Shh. <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> yes, okay. How much of the movie were you quoting, Ryan? Less than you. That is fair. <laughs> that That is a true statement. They both were quoting a lot. Esther, a little bit more. <laughs> so, you know, one of the, I remembered what my question was. W- one of the big things about this movie was the effects, and particularly in the Shire, where you have very tall Gandalf and uh, very short mm-hmm. hobbits. Uh, what did you think of the effects? How did they hold up after 15, 16 years? I think it held up beautifully because it's all different camera angles that Mm -hmm. make it look like there is a huge height difference. And I know they built like several versions of like Bilbo's front rooms that some were like super short so that like they could look much taller than others were like super, super like tall. So they put in a lot of work. And I think relying on like camera angles versus CGI is what has made the Lord of the Rings not get weird to watch after a while. And I think it made it held up better than the three other other movies that we do not talk about and by those do you mean the star wars prequels i mean those two or what which ones are you referring to the hobbit trilogy that will not be named oh well that's i haven't seen that i haven't seen the other five films so i don't have any place (laughs) to talk about it but from we we can explore the the hobbit movies on another episode i think because they are a topic in and of themselves i think after we go through lord of the rings i'm going to force you to watch something that uh, you guys haven't seen but i have so stay tuned we'll we'll take turns (laughs) um yeah uh did i have a point i think i did but i forgot it the effects what you think of the effects yes okay um, yeah, I agree because they used a lot of practical effects instead of uh, visual effects and stuff after the fact. It worked really well. There was a couple moments, such as in the big war scene at the very beginning of the movie. Oh yeah, um, giant where, CGI armies. Yeah, the giant. Well, the CGI armies were fine until they were hit, and then there was like the wee. Yeah, with, yeah. With all the guys <laughs> flying away. That didn't look super real, but the rest of it was pretty good. Um, I'm going to jump ahead in the movie a little bit to where uh, Gandalf was fighting with uh, 
Christopher Lee, also known in the movie as Saruman. Hey, you're learning. <laughs> yes, and I don't have the IMDb page in front of me. No, but when they were fighting in that scene, it was a magic battle where they just stuck their stick out and then the other person went flying. I think that was done in the best way they could at the time. Like, they could yeah. have done the crappy CGI effect that they had in the beginning of the movie, but what they did instead was they just had quick cuts. He did the the stick jab, and then they just showed, like, a shot of the guy just jumping kind of yeah. over the camera. And it, it, it had the effect that the that what was going on was going on. Definitely. I liked that battle in particular uh, because I think, you know, it was a different take on a wizard battle, I think, than what we're mm-hmm. used to seeing, especially after the Harry Potter era. Yeah. Uh, but it looked much more like a... A force battle from Star Wars. Yeah, I, I could see that. Especially because the movie is very much about like the dark side, like pushing against the light. I thought it also worked very well because it's two characters literally like magical forcing the other person into walls. It's not like super brilliant light lifts them into the air. It's more like a big kind of wave just like slams them into the floor. Like dark is winning. No, the light is winning. No, the dark is winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think you made this point when we were watching the movie of how it was kind of the exact opposite of when Gandalf fought the Balrog. Yeah, because when Gandalf fights the Balrog, it's very much like two equal forces meeting. It's like if you go into the history of like the Lord of the Rings lore, (laughs) which I don't think we're going to do because that's very extensive, Mm -hmm. but the wizards like Gandalf are considered like the exact equal to the creatures like the Balrog. So it's two forces like meeting each other and being forced to like grapple kind of in a standstill because neither one can really like top the other because they have like the same level of power and the same level of like kind of like control and might. Gandalf is an extremely powerful wizard. He just chooses not to use his magic that often. The only reason why he doesn't seem like that powerful when going against Saruman is just because technically Saruman's supposed to be above him in like rank so he's fighting against something that he can't like match at that point in time yeah. oh Balrog's the giant fire monster that took me yes <laughs> took me a while to, to figure out <laughs> what you were referring I you thought you might have gone until like one of the future movies no but, uh, I'll get there I'll get there <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll happen I'm not worried yeah <laughs> So, uh, but also quickly, before we leave the Shire, we meet uh, some of our other heroes, Merry and Pippin and Sam, uh, I think all delightful characters, particularly Merry and Pippin. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they're fun. Yeah. So they head off. Uh, Gandalf um, discovers the, the ring that Frodo has is the ring with capital letters. Uh, the one ring to rule them all, and they have that you know, dark and powerful scene where you know he reads the poem, and they kind of grapple with what to do. And you know they uh, they discover Sam was eavesdropping, and the next day they head out to take the one ring to the elves, uh, where it will hopefully be safer. They travel along, feel, to, feel free to jump in whenever, uh, but the, you know, uh, they run into Merry and Pippin, and through running through a cornfield together, they kind of decide to tag along. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That was one of the weak points of the story, I thought. Yeah. No, because, like, there's something that had to happen. There's, the Wraith is basically pursuing them, so they don't know if the Wraith is going to kill them or not. Because they'd never encountered them before. It's not like when you get later to, like, the stone circle where you see the wraiths, like, completely ignoring Sam, Mary, and Pippin just to go after Frodo and the ring because they can sense the ring's power. It's very much like they don't know if this, like, strange, creepy guy with the weird fingers is going to stab them or just go after Frodo. So I don't think it was necessarily that they were joining in on the quest because Gandalf had only asked them to take the ring to the Prancing Pony and then Gandalf was going to take it from them. Mm-hmm. And he was going to hide it. take it from them or... Taking he, them with him to the 
elves or it's implied that they were only supposed to like get the ring to the prancing pony while gandalf went to his boss to find out what to do Mm -hmm. but then once they got there it was supposed to no longer be their problem so mary and pippin popping along for like an extra couple hours maybe a day or two just to drop something off at like an inn doesn't seem like they're going on this great big journey that's why they're all really scared and confused when strider suddenly shows up and it's like i'm going to frog march you to the elves Mm -hmm. yes So, you know, we get to the inn, like you said, and we meet uh, Strider. I don't know if they ever actually call him Strider. He marks himself as Strider. Okay. Uh, But he, this is, of course, our great hero and future king, Aragorn of Gondor. And uh, so by now we've met five, six of the fellowship uh, and seen the the ring Mm -hmm. used a couple of times the the powers it displays are kind of weird i don't know I, well i have a not an interesting take it's a pretty obvious take but uh i think the ring uh, is a very easy metaphor for like drugs or cocaine because pretty much <laughs> it says you have to come you have to try it you have to do this you have to you have to wear the ring um and uh what it does is it makes you invisible that's not that big of a power i mean it might prolong life or whatever but what's seen in the movie it only makes you invisible uh-huh. uh similar to cocaine uh you get addicted to it you have to come back you have to try more and pretty much all it does is make you talk fast <laughs> so it's I, I i that's that's kind of the similarity that that i saw it, mm-hmm. not that much power but you know it it pretends that it has more power than it actually has yeah I think it's because it's more of a focus for Sauron's power than, like, something that's, like, generates its own. So Mm -hmm. the reason why whenever Frodo puts on the ring, he sees Sauron is because it has a direct link to Mm -hmm. the flaming eye thing. Yeah. And it's, like, all the power that's going through the ring is coming directly from Sauron's, like, metaphysical self. Yeah. Yeah. So that also kind of makes it seem that when it's going on, it's also something... That's not necessarily desirable because you get so connected to uh, Sauron. Um, again, another comparison to cocaine. When you take it, it doesn't actually make you feel better. It makes you feel a lot worse. So after yeah. you finish talking fast. <laughs> I think it's important to know also that the only reason my Frodo is being like affected this way is because Sauron has come back into more of a closer physical form, i.e. the giant eye instead of kind of like maybe some wisp in like the nether land power or whatever. So it's only because like the ring is coming back into power that we see it actually starting to affect Vilbo and then actually affect Frodo. Before that, it took many, many years for like Gollum to be like twisted into what he is. Yeah. All right, so, you know, we meet Strider. They're in the hotel, the inn. Aragorn. Aragorn. For non-nerds, Aragorn is a much more All right. no-name. <laughs> also, Viggo Mortensen is the actor's name. <laughs> this should help everyone that is confused by what they're talking about. Um, mostly yeah. Errol. Me, yes. yes. People like me, <laughs> but still mostly me. All right, so they meet uh, Aragorn in yes. the inn. And by accidentally, I'm using air quotes, using the ring, uh, the Mm -hmm. ring wraiths, the uh, Dementor-ish horse riders that have been chasing them up to that point, find them and come and try and kill them in the middle of the night in a scene that I think was extremely well done. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, uh, The shots of, you know, Sam laying in bed and then it not actually being them what did you think of that scene thought thought it was it was good <laughs> i don't know i don't really like i remember that scene like i remember it happening i don't necessarily remembering it being anything exceptional okay. um I, I don't know if that's because i was p- distracted by something else or whatever <laughs> i mean i don't know it was fine. It was a good scene. It was okay. Do what it was supposed to do. Supposed to scare everyone. 
The only thing that struck me as kind of weird is you have this, like, intense scene of, like, Aragorn looking through the window at, like, the race basically, like, stabbing pillows and feathers everywhere. But the race can sense the presence of the ring, so it doesn't make sense that they sense that it's somewhere in the town, i.e. across the street, and they don't just go in and kill everyone in the town looking for it. That was the only thing that, like, didn't strike me. They knew that they can only sense it when it's being used, though. So they sensed it in the inn. They can also sense when it when it's used. nearby. It's why when... No, I thought the, uh, so. Cause I, like mean, I when could the, be wrong. It's been a long time. When this is never one... explained in the movie, so... <laughs> it might might be in the books. It might be in the books written about the books. But I, not in the movie. It's... it's. Yeah. I mean, the first time we see uh, Frodo and the Ringwraith come close together, he's just hiding behind a tree. And the ring wraith is literally six inches away from him and can't tell that the ring is there. I mean, yes, but also it still is able to chase after them. And that's it. I, I think yeah. I'm referring to something that I heard in the books or read in the books that I'm not remembering correctly. So mea culpa. Okay. So after our our heroes survive uh, the night in the Wait, inn. They do? Spoilers. Yes. They survive the night in the inn. Uh, they continue on now with Aragorn slash Strider slash the Ranger slash Captain Fantastic. Yeah, you know that guy. Yeah, yeah, and they are you know traveling across the land, adventuring as adventures do, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually come to this outcropping, this old watchtower sort of thing, uh, where they spend the night. And uh, Aragorn kind of disappears for a little bit. I can't remember why, but it's some convenient plot thing. And but he gives the uh, the hobbits all their swords, and the hobbits, being hobbits, light a campfire to make food, which of course drag gets the ring wraiths. That's a bad idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Frodo is not happy with them. Yes. Frodo well, is the only one with good sense at the start of this movie. Yes. He also was napping at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they should, probably should have thought how, that when it's dark outside, the thing that you can't see is the thing that's making light, mm. which is yeah. fire. <laughs> it was a bad idea. They are not the smartest of hobbits the thing that i appreciate is like you start movie one with mary and pippin kind of being hapless even though they mean well and like you end the series of them like actually knowing what they're doing kind of no spoilers hey hey hey! (laughs) i didn't give any specific things i just said they were less dumb i I am aware i'm just saying you're getting close yeah so yeah the uh ring rights of course see the cooking fire and immediately come and in synchronized sword drawing uh attack the uh the hobbits and as soon as frodo puts on the ring to try and hide of course the ring race find him <gasps> spoilers because the ring wants to be found oh no yeah so that's when we or at least the that Frodo kind of realizes that the ring wraiths exist on the same invisible plane that he goes to when he uh, mm-hmm. puts on the ring, and he gets stabbed by uh, one of the ring wraiths. Uh, and then, of course... Which hurts a lot. Yes. Yeah. And we get lots of shots of like, him getting hurt. At least six shots of his face in slow-mo with a panning whine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that happens. I mean, I think, just going back to when we were watching it last night, um, I think Esther, uh, more so than Ryan, thought that it was way too much. I think definitely, especially because, slight spoiler alert, it's not something that really appears in the other two movies after it. So it's like, in the first movie, you have, like, every time Frodo is injured, you have, like, six shots of his face with, like, this terrible whining sound, and then back to the action, and then back to Frodo's face, and then back to the action, and back to Frodo's face. And it kind of took me out of, like, what was actually going on during the scene, because every time I started going into, like, they're gonna fight, they're gonna fight, they're gonna fight. Nope, we're back to Frodo, looking like he's in pain. But I would say... uh kind of 
against that. The Lord of the Rings uh, is a movie or a movie series all about Frodo. Is n- not about all. I mean, it's kind of about all the characters and what they're doing. Um, but if you take away Frodo, you take away the movie. Yeah. So the fact that Frodo was, you know, injured or hurt, um, and the fact that when they go back to the fighting, I think if they just left going back to Frodo, it would have seemed like we they forgot about him. It's about him. The movie's about him. They have to follow him and what he's doing. They might have done it a little bit too much, um, but it's... You know, it's a three-hour movie. There's other things I would cut out of it. Yeah, I think it feeds into one of my bigger complaints about the movie. It's just that they're not very good in the first half of it about staying in scene. They'd like to, like, go back from, like, whatever one group of characters are doing to switch to, like, some two-minute scene somewhere else and then switch back to, like, something completely different that makes it difficult to understand where my characters are in space and time and how, like, each section refers back to the other. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, like, more reflective of an overall problem with the first half of the narrative Mm -hmm. versus, like, this particular shot in, like, made me upset. It was more that I felt that on top of all the other, like, scene changes they were doing just, like, threw me off a little bit. I, I can definitely see what you're saying, but when it comes to some of those, I guess, scene displacers or whatever you want to call them, um, I think that they were necessary uh, because there is a lot of lore and stuff that's included in the Lord of the Rings, and if they don't have them, they're probably leaving out a lot of information. Um, and I think it's either include them and try to find a way to squeeze them in that makes some sense without completely ruining the movie. Um, I think it's... Either you don't include it, or you include it, and it's not perfect. I think they chose the lesser of two evils, and I, I think it worked. I mean, this is one of the most successful films of all time. A lot of people really love it. It's a small complaint, and I, I think it's important to have that back, you know, that information. Um, there are a couple moments that I feel aren't 100% necessary to the story, but they might be necessary to future stories that I don't even know about. So I'll see um, yeah. in those future movies. All right. So, of course, Frodo gets stabbed, and then 10 seconds later, Aragorn shows up and saves the day. Uh, da Yes. By single-handedly defeating five ringwraiths using a torch. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you got set on fire, you would run away, too. I mean, yes. But these are also some of the, supposedly some of the most powerful beings. And they could so. probably, instead of just trying to swing their stories, maybe try using a little bit of projectile. Just kind of throw it and see what happens. Yeah, they don't seem like the most intelligent ringwraiths. Out of the wide group of ringwraiths, these particular ones were not the most intelligent. Yeah. By the way, that would be an excellent like sitcom, a story about stupid ringwraiths. <laughs> It'd be like um, the Three Stooges mixed with Lord of the Rings. It's already in development in my head if someone steals this idea you're welcome coming (laughs) soon from Errol Koenig Productions 2018 you put way too much expectations 2020 2019 we'll see all right (laughs) so and in amongst all of the goings-on with Aragorn and the Hobbits we keep getting scenes of Gandalf and his plight trying to first research the ring and then get uh, aid and advice from Saruman the White one of the other great wizards in the realm Uh, I know you guys had we kind of talked about it earlier you guys had some thoughts about the fight scene Mm -hmm. uh you had some Esther had some complaints about uh the color scheme and Gandalf's ability to see things okay but like if you're going into your friend like Saruman the White's place where everything should be you know white and happy and light and suddenly everything is black with shadows and a mysterious orb he's not supposed to be using in the center of a throne room 
I I would have like turned around and been like, all right, th- this is no good. Uh, I'm just going to mention that in the movie, it's never explained that his castle or whatever it is is supposed to be white. It just it, it could have all at least how I interpret it, it could have always been Throne black. room. I mean, does is that mean that it's white? Does I mean it could have just always been black. It could have been he was going through an emo phase, and <laughs> and, and and wanted to decorate it with black. And it's Saruman the emo, also a character in your sitcom. Yes, hundred <laughs> um, percent. But no, but when, when he shows up, it could just seem that everything is normal except there's a weird thing on a table with the cloth over it in the room that he's talking to. Uh, Saruman. I don't know. I I didn't have the same experience as you did in that scene. I think it's mostly because I know that the wizards are supposed to be for the people and like keeping the balance of power so that the light is not (laughs) overtaken by the dark. And the minute Gandalf walked into a literal throne room where Saruman's reclining on a throne, which shows that he's putting some sort of aspect into power, which he's not supposed to be. And the minute he touched the orb that's like Eye of Sauron looking back at you, he should have hightailed his ass out of there. Pardon my French. Uh, yeah, well, I will say that one, I didn't interpret that as a throne room. I just interpreted it as a sitting room where he goes <laughs> to sit and relax. I mean, everyone deserves a comfy chair, I think. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That could have just always been how it was. I don't remember it being called the throne room. I might have just forgotten that. Maybe that was a detail in the book um, where they call it the throne room instead of. Um, in the movie where they just walk into a room where he has a throne. But I digress. That would tend to imply it's a throne room, though. It, well, <laughs> I mean, so would every bathroom. It's, they would all be called throne rooms. I mean, whatever. Very true. Uh, but yes, Gandalf gets uh, has his awesome force battle with Saruman and then gets captured by flying upwards instead of falling downwards uh, on the roof of Saruman's castle tower thing. Uh, And, you know, we get another scene much later uh, where Saruman is uh, torturing Gandalf, I guess, throwing him around at least, hanging him over the edge, and Gandalf uh, captures a moth and whispers to it, I guess, to send a message and then releases it again. And then, uh, of course, at the last last moment, uh, he jumps off the edge and is saved by the Great Eagle because Great Eagles save everything in Lord of the Rings. Spoilers. Okay. Thanks. But... <laughs> if you didn't say spoilers, that would have been less of a spoiler. So thank you, Ryan. I'm referring because in The Hobbit, they also come and save the day in the Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah, it's not its not so much an eagle thing as it is a Gandalf thing, since all the wizards are supposed to have some sort of connection to nature. Um, Harold back to Radagast, who has a little bit too much of a connection to nature. But anyway, like Gandalf and the Great Eagles have some sort of alliance from something before like the Five Armies happened, so... That one I think really worked for me because it kind of heralded back to like things that you knew if you'd read The Hobbit, while also being a little bit of a precursor to things. Spoiler alert! I mean, like seriously, guys, come on. <laughs> the movie's been out for fifteen years, man. You're I a little mean, late. I know, but this podcast we're gonna be t- whatever. I'm, I'll stop complaining. <laughs> uh, All right, so yes, Gandalf escapes. Uh, yeah, actually, I have one more point to make about uh-huh. his escape. Um, so, I mean, I guess that this happens a little bit later in the movie, but the guy, uh, Frodo shows up at the elf village. I think that's where we're getting to next. Yeah. Because he's, you know, got health after being saved, uh, by, um, what's her name? Uh, Liv Tyler. Yeah. After being <laughs> saved by Liv Tyler, also known Arwen. as Arwen in the movie. Um, but yeah, uh, but after that, uh, they show up at the elf thing and Gandalf's there. Um, and they show his escape as a flashback. Yeah. I think that was a bad idea because if they included that kind of 
in live action, like as it was going on, that scene would have been that flashback would have been a scene and would have had a lot more. It, it would have felt more powerful because we wouldn't have known that he would have made it back. Yeah. But because we saw him back, it was all the stakes were taken out. And it's like okay. Yeah. It was, it was more of a how did he do it than a there's actual tension here. Yeah, but then we saw the giant bird come in and it's like okay, it's, he's gonna jump on the bird. I feel like that's kind of the example of what I was talking about. Them switching scenes so often is that they're trying to mm-hmm. keep everything like so in line of when events are supposed to be happening that I ended up kind of lost and like the flashback didn't work because they should have just shown that in scene when he was going to be tortured in the first place. Yeah, that's fair. I think that just for me, that's the only one that stuck out of those. I think for me, where it struck out. And, like, when it, I started noticing it, though, it I will admit it took, like, two watchings for it to start to bother me a little bit. It was, like, also when Gandalf first rides off to, like, Google the ring, the, do the mat, the book equipment of Googling. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> like, look up what the ring is and what if it is the one true ring, act, act, act. Um, mm-hmm. He suddenly comes back and it doesn't look like any time has passed because Frodo is just reentering the Shire and, like, nothing in the house that Bilbo left him has changed at all or anything else. So it's hard to see, like, any time has passed because they keep switching between things. I would have liked more of a little bit of a Gandalf narrative and more of a little bit of a Frodo narrative, like a slightly separate thing. The movie was already three hours long. I think if that happened maybe two days later, I don't care. Yeah, no, it was more that, like, the scene switching makes it hard to see. You wouldn't have had to, like, change or add in anything new. I think it would have just been editing it slightly differently. Yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, the movie was too long as it is. I think changing it, it was, was timeless. It's not too long. It's timeless. <laughs> Just because a movie's good doesn't mean it can last forever and never be yeah. bad. Just to be clear, we did not watch the extended edition. Oh, f- the no. extended edition is an extra half hour now. I, I voted for the extended edition. I did not. <laughs> That's, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, my one complaint kind of along those lines is that, uh, you know, you can see, especially when the ringmates are chasing uh, Arwen and uh, Frodo is, you know, they're having this great chase scene and then, you know, there'll be a shot, the ringmates coming in and like flanking Arwen and then the next shot, she's like 20 feet ahead of them. Yeah. And then the next shot, you know, they're coming in to flank her again, but from somewhere else. And it's there's very little in scene continuity. I think that was one of my big complaints about this. I agree. Uh, the in scene continuity was not great at all, but I do think that ha- first of all they're working with horses, um, and uh-huh. it's kind of hard to control where the horses are going to be in every shot yeah. to get the horses to line up perfectly. That's not going to be a thing you're going to be able to do easily. Yeah. I think the way they did it, although the continuity wasn't perfect, had a lot of suspense, had a lot of tension, and I thought it worked well. Yeah. It, it, it didn't annoy me the same way it annoyed you. but mm-hmm. It was definitely, I think, not the worst it could have been. But given the, the movie, it was, it was one of the weaker points, I guess. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, Frodo is saved by a giant river of horses and makes it safely to the elves in Rivendell? Rivendell. Yes. To the elves in Rivendell. Are you sure it wasn't Arendelle? <laughs> Different place. Different place? There was no Snow Queens in this movie. I mean... Fairly certain. There was a snow mountain. Spoilers! But... We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm still in this movie. At least it's not a future movie that's been spoiled. I regret nothing. I do. <laughs> All right. But yes, they make it to Rivendell, and Frodo is saved by the bell. elf magic. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, we get some scenes of Aragorn uh, talking to... Arwen, his love interest, and looking wistfully at a broken sword, and some of the other dignitaries from other places, uh, Boromir from Gondor, uh, Sean Bean, yes, 
Gimli from the dwarves and Legolas from the elves, despite the fact there's already elves there. He came as an envoy from Mirkwood. Okay. Something very specific. There are three major elven places right now. Rivendell is one, but the other like elven kings also sent their adversaries. Not adversaries, like... Representatives. Representatives, that's the word I was going for. Yeah. And so we kind of meet these characters uh, as they walk around. But then we have one of the uh, big moments in the movie where the Council of Elrond is held and everyone sits in a big circle and stares at a ring and argues a lot uh probably because of the ring and then frodo stands up and says i'm gonna take the ring because i'm cool and also i brought it here and you guys are dumb those are not the words used in the movie uh one does not simply walk into mordor is words used in the movie yes (laughs) but (laughs) you know and we get uh some nice shots. Marion, Pippin, and Sam insist on coming as well. You know, Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn and Boromir join in. Mm-hmm. Gandalf, of course, also comes because he's Gandalf and has to meddle in everything. He meddles in everything. Yes. And do what he got to do. Yep. And they head off on their big adventure. You know, the uh, the Fellowship of the Ring was formed, and they go off. Uh, first they you know we get a quick scene of them becoming friends kind of uh, of them mm-hmm. Boromir teaching people how to fight uh, and then they realize that they're being spied upon by a giant flock of crows and so they have to take a different route up through the ice mountain where you know Elsa lives but also yes. where <laughs> Saruman is uh Using magic to make a big storm and prevent them from coming. Yes, and building. Uh, never mind. I was going to make another Frozen reference. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't important. It wasn't important. He didn't make any snowmen. He tried, but he failed. Just to be glad Errol hasn't brought up monologuing yet. Yeah. But, uh, so yes, Saruman successfully prevents them from passing through the top of the mountain and so on Gimli's recommendation they go through the mountain uh, and get to Moria instead Mm -hmm. where we have a great scene where the uh, tentacle monster comes and Mm -hmm. uh, we have to say goodbye to Billy the Pony but Billy the Pony survives he is not eaten by the tentacle monster which is the important part of the movie yes Wait, the, the pony had a, had a name? It did. What? His, he's Bill. Bill the pony. Okay. Sam calls him Bill many times. Okay, I was not paying close enough attention, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they speak friend and enter because only Frodo is intelligent. Also, Gandalf just has Alzheimer's at this point. He's been around for a really long time. Yeah, you'd think he would know the password. He also forgets where they are while they're in the mine at one point, where he doesn't know which direction to go. Yeah. He's old, it happens. Exactly. Uh, so yes, they get into the mines and uh, discover that goblins have been... Uh, have killed all the dwarves there, which makes Gimli very sad. And we get... Why? Why? Yeah. It was like his cousin who yeah. was king. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, I would do it. And then he was dead. So. Gimli died. No, no, no. The no, cousin no. was dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. And as they're discovering these things, uh, who was it? Merry or Pippin? One of them knocks a entire skeleton down a well, which makes lots of noise, and brings all the orc goblins to uh, to kill them. Which is super fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a fun fight scene. We get to see Legolas in action. Cave troll. Yes, and the cave troll shows up uh, and, you know, lots more fighting. We get to see uh, Frodo's mithril save his life, his uh, chainmail, special magic chainmail thing. With another six shots of his pain face. Yes, lots of pain Mm -hmm. face Uh, because we're not going to actually kill Frodo yet maybe spoilers Spoilers. (laughs) thanks guys (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, so they survive the cave troll, thankfully, and run along, try to escape, but more orcs show up, and more orcs show up, and more orcs show up, and they get surrounded, and then the Balrog shows up. Giant flame monster for all you. Yeah. It's got like a sword and a whip or something. Made Mostly of lava. the whip. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And all the orcs get scared away, understandably, as do the fellowship. And they try and run across the bridge of Casa Doom, mm-hmm. which aptly named for one, poorly planned for another. Uh, and just seemed terrible construction. This is my main complaint. I just want to point out that literally all the stairs were over gigantic drops and had zero railings. Yeah. And I wish dwarves would have planned better than that. They build like Sith Lords do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, checks out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we also get to see Legolas uh, shoot orc archers from ungodly distances. With perfect accuracy. Legolas, what do your elf eyes see? <laughs> Everything. Legolas sees all. Uh, yes, and so they make it to the bridge of Khazad-dûm, and Gandalf heroically stands to fight the Balrog. We get a couple shots of that, and him making the other famous line. You shall not pass! That one is a famous line. <laughs> And so he destroys the bridge, sending the Balrog down into the pit. Uh, but the Balrog gets his whip around uh, around Gandalf's ankle and drags him down as well after making a less famous line, Fly, you fools! Mm-hmm. See. Now there's the scene where Gimli has to get held back by Boromir. Yes. Which G- is my favorite. Gimli just wants to kill everything at that point because they killed his everything yep (laughs) yeah and so they thankfully and thanks to uh gandalf's sacrifice they make it out of moria get down to lothlorien where galadriel and more elves are living where they rest up and frodo has this sort of vision of the future which they shall fail yeah it was kind of weird at that point it's hard to like pay attention to the movie because it's been going on so long and so i found it kind of confusing well here's what i got from it as someone who was kind of watching it with more of a blank slate mm-hmm. uh he kind of went down to um the place to meet with kate blanchett um <laughs> galadriel uh, yes uh and then she said, look into here, and it will, I'm not sure exactly what it meant or what it was trying to show him, but pretty much what he got out of it, which is really all you need to know, is yeah. that he has to go do it himself. Yeah. So. It was basically a test, kind of. It was like, this will the future, the future you'll have if you decide to turn back or you decide to give the ring to someone else. Like, can you go ahead, like, knowing that this would be the future? Yeah, and that you know, Frodo kind of realized that he has to do it alone because eventually the ring would corrupt everybody else in the party. Mm-hmm. And so he gets kind of mopey, goes off walking on his own uh, after they have left uh, Lothlorien when they're heading off again. Uh, and he runs into Boromir, who, spoilers, has been corrupted by the ring. And tries to take it from him in kind of a, I don't know, disturbing scene. It seemed, I don't know, I don't like, it was not my favorite scene. I mean, I think it was an important scene to show what the, what the ring can do, the power it holds over people, so. (laughs) Especially because you had, like, the team building scenes of, like, Boromir teaching, like, Merry and Pippin to fight, and, like, him becoming, like, good friends of Aragorn and everyone, like, them, everyone becoming bros, and all of a sudden your bro is, like, trying to kill you. Yeah. Mm. And they did establish earlier that, you know, Boromir in particular felt the draw of the ring, you know, at the Council of Elrond, and then earlier when they're on the mountain... Uh, they are he seems particularly drawn to trying to use it as a weapon mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I find it pretty funny how uh, Sean Bean's character in this movie is a lot more impulsive, a lot more, like, on edge uh-huh. than Ned Stark, his character in Game of Thrones is, where he's kind of, like, the only person uh, who has his head on straight. Hey. Not for too long, though. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. I mean, either way, it doesn't end well for him. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. No matter what movie he's in, whether it's this one or movie or TV show, whether it's this movie, spoilers, um, this movie, <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones, uh, National Treasure, he gets caught and sent to jail. Um, but yeah. Yeah. This is where Lana Del Rey's Born to Die just plays in the distance. I don't know if we could actually edit that in, but that'd be cute to edit it in. I mean, if we... <laughs> If we could, that would be cool. However, <laughs> I do not have the rights to that song. <laughs> Ryan, do you, Esther? Mm-hmm. I'll have to check, but I don't think so. Yeah. Is it in my back pocket? Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> All right. So, yes, uh, Boromir tries to take it and fails. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frodo ends up putting the ring on again. Dumb move, bro. Dumb yes. move. To escape. And, yes, uh, they get found by the orcs that... Uh, Saruman has sent after them his specially bred a monster Urukai orcs uh, that have the white hand for the white wizard so that you know they're from him mm-hmm. uh, but yes they get found and ambushed and you know Boromir and all the other fellowship have to fight for their lives so mm-hmm. uh, but yes so you know the all this time frodo is trying to leave the company but also not die uh he has a scene where he's hiding and then he sees mary and pippin also hiding and they kind of invite him over uh to hide with them and he non-verbally tells them that he's leaving and one of them tries to come and rescue him it was a kind of it's it's a weird mix of like emotional but also a lot of tension with the fight going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was a it was a good scene. Yeah, it was done well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then finally we get uh, Mary and Pippin running along and trying to avoid the orcs, which they have drawn to them so that Frodo can get away. Uh, and they're running and running and running and eventually trapped and Boromir comes to save the day and save them and gets shot he redeems himself though it takes like three arrows to bring that dude down yes he takes several arrows to the chest not to the knee uh <laughs> no I think arrow's about done with this podcast mm-hmm. All right, we're almost at the end yeah all right power through so Yes, Boromir sacrifices himself mm-hmm. to save Merry and Pippin, which uh, he doesn't do. The Merry and Pippin get captured by the orcs and taken away to presumably get tortured to see if they have the ring or know where the ring is going. And uh, you know, uh, Aragorn shows up to hear Boromir's dying words uh, and... Borum, uh, Aragorn kind of knows that Frodo's leaving as well. So when uh, later after they have uh, sent Boromir off in his final canoe uh, resting place, he, uh, Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli decide not to pursue Frodo and Sam uh, and instead pursue Merry and Pippin to try and save them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the scene with when Sam uh, forces himself to come along with Frodo, uh-huh. I would probably say was one of my favorite scenes, just because it was definitely one of the most emotional, where you could just see Sam's uh, connection to Frodo, his you know, yeah, that they're so close that he needs to come with him, and that scene got to me. Uh, so I thought that was a really good scene. That was definitely one of the best scenes, I think. Yeah. yeah. In the trilogy, it is, I think, one of the strongest. Yeah. So, now the Fellowship has broken up. 
Frodo and Sam are going their own way to deliver the ring to Mordor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merry and Pippin are captured by orcs, and Boromir's dead, and Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli are off to save the day. Now we have two twosomes going in opposite directions, and then a group of three who are like sprinting after one of the twosomes. Yes. And that's how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. That's it. The Fellowship of the Ring by Peter Jackson. Roll credits. Yeah. Lots of credits. Yeah. So do you guys have any final thoughts about uh, your thinking about the movie? I mean, for me, it's, you know, the first half in particular is a lot of exposition, world-building stuff, but they do it fairly well. There's a decent amount of action mixed in to keep you kind of invested Mm -hmm. uh even if the movie as a whole is very long uh you know it's no one part in particular drags out too much i think Mm -hmm. you know it's not my favorite movie of the trilogy but it's still a very good movie as of now it's my favorite (laughs) it's a high bar too yeah um yeah well I mean, just kind of to address what you were saying and also give my thoughts about uh, what happened in the movie, um, I think this movie would have made an excellent HBO series. Um, and it does. <laughs> it's called a mix of uh, Game of Thrones and Westworld. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, th- this first movie, the whole point of the first hour and a half is to give you background. Yeah. Uh, that's really all it does. And that's, you know, to bring it to Westworld, one of the big similarities, there was just a lot of background information before anything really happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, you know, you combine those two shows with Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones is very similar in that it has this whole world built around it, so much lore. Yeah. um, Just everywhere. Um, And also similar types of lore. Yeah, uh, they're both actually alternate histories of England. So apparently, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's no. know, that's I think that's that's my final thoughts. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm excited to see the uh, next two. Um, hopefully, I remember to get some sort of energy drink so I could see through <laughs> the whole three hour uh, movie. But yeah, that's, that's true. true. They get a lot better after the first hour and a half of the first movie. <laughs> I can promise you that. But, like, it's a movie definitely worth seeing if you haven't. You, although I will judge you a little bit if you haven't seen it yet. Also, if you've listened to this podcast all the way through <laughs> without having seen the first Lord of the Rings, um, why is, I guess, is my yeah. question. Um, I don't know. But, like, if you have, if you haven't seen it, Watch it, uh, and then watch the next two before uh, Ryan and I talk about the other ones, which should be at some point in the future. I suggest not doing it all at once unless you have a lot of snacks. Oh, God, no. I mean, <laughs> doing one movie all at once is a, is a challenge, let alone... The first. real challenge, watching all three extended editions back to back. I do not... I, I think me, as well as many doctors, would highly recommend against that. Um... <laughs> I only did it once. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we got to go. Um, But uh, a couple things before we do. Uh, I need Mm -hmm. to promote my other podcast, uh, On Set with Errol Koenig, Uh, one of the greatest podcasts in the world, if I do say so myself, as (laughs) Errol Koenig. Um, But uh, coming up next week or later this week, um, I have an awesome interview with Emma Needell. She is a... uh, a, a screenwriter who has written a script that was uh, recently picked up um, by Oprah's production company uh, with uh, David Oyelowo, uh, and on top of that, also picked up by Disney, so it's in the works. Uh, but check out the podcast. We talk all about that, her writing process, yeah. um, and stuff like that. So check it out. Sounds fun. All right. All right. Uh, so, yeah, and finally... If you like this podcast, make sure to give us a good rating and subscribe uh, on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, And don't forget to like our Facebook page to stay updated. Thanks so much for listening.